Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we believe that all Holy Scripture has been written for our learning. And so we pray by your Holy Spirit that we may now hear, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest this, your holy word, so that we would be changed more and more to be like Jesus for the sake of the world. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. I invite you to be seated. Acts chapter 21, verse 10 reads like this. A prophet named Agabus came down from Judea and coming to us, he took Paul's belt and bound his own hands and feet and said, this is how the Jews at Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. Now, when we heard this, we urged Paul not to go up to Jerusalem. But he answered, why are you doing this? Weeping and breaking my heart. For I am ready not only to be imprisoned, but to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And seeing that he was not to be persuaded, we ceased and said, let the will of the Lord be done. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Paul is ready to die. Paul is ready to die. And you and I, if we are in Christ, we're ready to die as well. Just like Paul, we have been made ready to die, made ready for the day of our death. We just forget that we're ready. We don't live like we're ready to die because we forget the gospel. See, Paul says in verse 13, I am ready not only to be imprisoned, but to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. I am ready to die. And this readiness is not some secret that Paul has discovered. It's not some special gift of the spirit, like some Christians have the gift of being ready to die and others don't. No, this is simple gospel. So we understand in this text, here if you turn with me in Acts chapter 21, we understand how we as Christians are ready to die when we realize that we, like Paul, can look at our death, look at our death, stare at our death, stare it down that day, knowing that our death, in our death, on the day of our death, Jesus is Lord. We can look at our death knowing that in our death, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is sovereign even over that day. And not only can we be ready for death, staring down, looking at death, knowing that Jesus is Lord over the day of our death, but knowing that in the day of our death, we will find life. In the day of our death, we will discover life that we have never known before. This is the good news of God and Jesus Christ. This is what we forget. This is what has made us ready to die. See, first, 
we see that we can look at our death. We can look down at that day of our death. We can stare death in its face. Again, verse 13, I am ready to die, Paul says. We live in a death-denying culture, right? We have an obsession with youth. We do everything we can medically to prolong life. We do everything we can to distract ourselves from the reality of our death. But the truth is, death is always there. Death is always coming. Unless the Lord comes in our generation again, everyone in this room will die. Now, you have to forgive me. It's hockey season, and my team is doing rather well. So I, I have to share this. You, some of you heard this before, the story of Maurice and Andre. Now, Maurice and Andre, they played hockey as kids. Maurice and Andre, they coached hockey with their little kids. And Maurice and Andre watched hockey together all their life. But one day, Andre dies. Well, there's a night that Maurice hears a voice. And it says, Maurice. And he says, Andre, is that you? They're French Canadian, by the way. Is that you? And the voice says, yes, it's Andre. I have come to give you good news and bad news. Do you want the good news first or the bad news? And Maurice says, I want the good news. He says, ah, the good news is there is Aki in heaven. The arena is full. The ice is perfect. The referees are fair. And Maurice says, that is good news. He said, what is the bad news? And Andre says, well, the bad news is that this Saturday you are in the starting lineup. <laughs> Never gets old. Never gets old. <laughs> the truth is we all are facing the reality of our death. We can seek to deny it and distract ourselves but death is coming for each of us. We are inching towards death in every moment. Psalm 39 says, let me know my end, the measure of my days, how fleeting I am. It's the reason why we do this strange thing every year on Ash Wednesday. We walk into church and we allow a person to put ash on our forehead and say, remember you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Remember you're gonna die. We allow a person to do that, that shocking remembrance of our frailty, of how fleeting our life is. We are all going to die, and we need to be able to, like Paul, look at that day square on. I remember a number of years ago, Kira Lee, our youngest, we were in Ottawa. All of my kids grew up with dad as a priest, so they were used to all these you know, rituals and routines in the church. And one day, Kira Lee, as a baby, had ashes on her forehead on an Ash Wednesday. And one of our friends, I don't remember if it was a friend or a family member, but somebody who was not a believer saw our baby with ashes on her head and said, that's really morbid. And I said, that's really reality. It is true. All of us are facing the reality of our death. Like Paul, we can look at our death. Psalm 90 says, teach us to number our days 
that we may gain a heart of wisdom, that there's a heart of wisdom in being able to look at the certainty and sureness that death is coming for us. We, like Paul, can look to our own death. But we can do it knowing that in our death, Jesus is Lord. See, in verse 11, Agabus the prophet does this strange thing. He takes Paul's belt off of him and then wraps up his own wrists and ankles and says, this is how the Jews of Jerusalem will bind the man who wears this, who owns this belt and deliver him over to the hands of the Gentiles. He's talking about Paul's imprisonment and ultimate death. Now, prophets do this kind of play acting on a regular basis. You think of 1 Kings chapter 11, where Ahijah comes to Jeroboam and tears his cloak into 12 fragments, basically to say, you're about to split the kingdom of Israel. Or when Isaiah walked around three years naked and barefoot. Or Ezekiel, who took a little brick in Ezekiel 4 and built a little model of Jerusalem and then created siege works against it. Each one of these prophetic pantomimes trying to say, let me show you what God is about to do. You see, in this moment when Agabus comes and does this demonstration with the belt, is he's not saying to Paul, hey, I'm gonna give you a warning here. If you go to Jerusalem, you're gonna get imprisoned and die. So, so don't go. No, what Agabus the prophet is doing is saying, you're going to Jerusalem and this is what's gonna happen when you get there. You see, the difference here for the church in Jerusalem is to realize that it's not just that the Lord knows the day of Paul's death. Can you hear it? That the Lord has arranged the day of Paul's death. That when we come to the day of our death, it's not just that God sees that day kind of as a you know, bystander. Oh, I had no idea. This is the day of your death. No, God is sovereignly in control of that day. When we come to the day of our death, it's not as if we can say, did I get here by chance? No, this day was chosen. I'm not in the day of my death because of some freak accident or some fluke. The day of my death and your death has been foretold of old. It is not just that God is aware of the day of Paul's death and our death, He's arranged that day for us. He's gone before us. He meets us there. He's created the circumstances of that day of death. I know this may be hard to hear. You know, when you hear this, you think, oh God, really? You're the one that's gonna orchestrate and put together the day of my death? Isn't that kind of horrible to think that God has designed this? Well, guess what? The alternative is worse. To imagine that God is not in control, that God is not sovereign, that God's will is not acting even in the day of our death, that somehow he's taken his hands off the steering wheel of the universe and is saying, well, I'm sorry you're going through this. No, God is Lord and King even in our hardest moments, even in the day of Paul's death and our death. This is how the Jews at Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt. This is what will happen, and I have gone before you to repair it. Psalm 139. I know we love Psalm 139. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Keep reading. You're not just fearfully and wonderfully made. In the book is recorded all the days ordained for me. God has created every day of our living and even the day of our dying 
This is part of how Paul is ready to die. He knows that he can look at the day of his death saying, Jesus will be Lord over that day as he's been Lord over all the other days. When I came to Ottawa, one of the first people I met was a guy named Lorne. Lorne was a InterVarsity Christian worker on campus. He was working with graduate students. And so Lorne and I got to know each other well, and we'd talk all about deep theology together on campus. And not too many years along, Lorne developed mouth cancer. Now, I've walked with many loved ones and many beloved parishioners over the years through all sorts of cancers and other diagnoses, and every cancer has its own difficulties and challenges. But I'll tell you, watching Lorne die of mouth cancer was, was horrifying. I mean, it, the cancer just literally ate him away. I remember going to see him on the last day he was alive. I didn't know it was his last day, but I saw him in hospital. He was in a private hospital room, not because he had the best insurance to get the private room, but because they wouldn't put anyone else with him. That's how disfigured he was at the end because of this horrifying cancer, just suffering terribly. And so I went to visit Lorne and we talked about hockey and we talked about church. And then Lauren said to me, he said, Paul, do you know what I did my graduate thesis on? He said, I wrote it on the book of Job. And he said, I feel like I'm living it. And then he said this, I'll never forget. He said, I feel like my entire life has been the Lord preparing me for this day. When like Job, I can say, even in this moment, the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Those are the last words I heard Lauren speak in this world. It makes me think of Paul's words in Romans chapter 14 where he says, none of us lives unto ourselves and none of us dies unto ourselves. Whether if we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. So whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. He is the Lord over the living and the dead. He is our Lord in each and every moment, even in the day of our death. That's how Paul can be ready. He can look at that day knowing Jesus is Lord even over the day of my death. But even more than that, it's not just that Jesus is Lord over the day of Paul's death and over the day of our death if we're in Christ, but in that day of death, we will find life in him. We will find life in that day like we have never known before. Oh, how we forget the gospel. Verse 14 you know, the church says at the end, they're trying to convince Paul not to go to Jerusalem. And they say, well, Luke writes, well, since we could not persuade him, we ceased and said, well, let the will of the Lord be done. It's not as if the church is just sort of giving up, like Paul sort of beat them down and wore them down. Like, oh, fine, Paul, go and die. Like, that's not what they're saying. What they're saying is not a statement of resignation. Like, oh, just go die. No, they're in that moment, remembering the gospel. Paul has reminded them of the gospel. He has told them, I'm willing to die. I'm ready to die. Why? Because of what death means. In that moment, the church remembers the gospel and says, let the will of the Lord be done. See, the truth is, we have been told what this day of death means for us. It's the very heart of the gospel. Jesus said in 
Matthew chapter 16, verse 25, whoever would save their life, cling to their life, protect their life, will lose it. And whoever loses their life for my sake and the gospel will find it. Jesus says in John chapter 11, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though they die, yet shall they live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall not die forever. This is the heart of the gospel, that Jesus, Jesus on the cross and in the empty tomb has overcome the final enemy of sin and death. That Jesus has redeemed and triumphed over the worst in this world so that when we face the worst, it is not the end, but it is simply the beginning of something new. This is why Paul says in crazy language, in Philippians chapter one, he says, to live is Christ, to die is gain. And then he goes on to say something even crazier, in case we missed it. He says, I desire to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. You hear that? I desire to depart. I desire, if I had to choose, Paul's saying, I desire death so I can be with Jesus, which is far better. I mean, take that home today and put that on Twitter and see what people do with it. I desire to depart, to die and be with Christ, for that is far better. I mean, it is the counter to the carpe diem, seize the day posts, or the bucket list posts, or the YOLO, you only live once. I mean, don't get me wrong. If bucket lists and you only live once posts and carpe diem, seize the day kind of things help you get motivated for life, fine. But let's remember that those attitudes are not fundamentally gospel attitudes because this life is not all we have. This life is not all that we're to squeeze everything out of. Our life is a preparation for further life that goes on, the far better that is yet to come. Paul means it far far better is coming on the day of our death. Can we remember that? Martin Luther took a phrase from the Middle Ages and did something beautiful with it. There was this very famous Gregorian chant from the Middle Ages that was used everywhere. It's so popular, it's in our Anglican prayer book. And you've probably heard the words before. It's used in the, in the funeral service. It says, in the midst of life, we are in death. And it's a good sober reminder to say, even in the midst of your life, we're always dying, right? But Luther appropriately reversed it. He said, the gospel actually tells us that in the midst of death, we are in life. This is how we are ready to die. For the much greater, the far better is yet to come. In the day of our death, we find life. As Friedrich Biekner says, one minute in heaven and you'll realize that your wildest dreams weren't half wild enough. Far better. At the very end of the Chronicles of Narnia, you're so surprised. Aslan says these final words. If you haven't read the book, I'm kind of ruining the ending, but have I been with you this long and you've not yet read them? <laughs> the very end, Aslan, the Christ figure, the lion, speaks over all those who've now entered into the new heavens and the new earth. And he writes this. And for us, this is the end of the stories. 
and we can almost truly say that they lived happily ever after, but for them it was only the beginning of the real story. All their life in this world and all their adventures in Narnia had only been the cover and the title page. Now, at the last, they were beginning chapter one of the great story, which no one on earth has yet read, which goes on forever, in which every chapter is better than the one before. You know, I had a curate in Ottawa, a priest in training, who whenever someone died in the church would say, they've been promoted to glory. And at first when he said it, I thought, he's just trying to soften death, right? You know, we do that in our culture. We try to soften death. We'll say things like, instead of saying the word die, like they died, we'll say they passed away or they passed or they've gone to a better place. We usually drop our voices and it's a sense of us trying to sort of dampen the effect of death. And I thought at first when he said they've been promoted to glory, he was just sort of dampening and trying to soften and sugarcoat death. But I realized, no, he was in fact was sanctifying death because he said it with a big smile on his face. He said, they've been promoted to glory. Because that's exactly what the gospel says happens for the Christian in death. Far better. For as Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15, where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? Thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul is ready to die. And you and I, if we're in Christ, we're ready to die too. We often don't live like we're ready to die. We often forget that we're ready to die because we forget the gospel. But friends, you and I, like Paul, can look at the day of our death square in the face, knowing that in the day of our death, Jesus is Lord. And that in the day of our death, we will find life like we've never known it before. I close with these words, words written by a dying preacher, a guy named Henry Lift. He wrote these words in 1837, 1847. He was dying of tuberculosis. He was a priest and a poet in the Church of England. And so in his final sermon that he ever preached, he included these words. And many of you will know these words as they're now set to music. This for me captures why we're ready to die. It captures the gospel, the good news of God that has made us ready to die. Because he preached these words in his final sermon, I fear no foe with thee at hand to bless. Ills have no weight and tears no bitterness. Where is death's sting? Where grave thy victory? I triumph still if thou abide with me. And then he writes this. Hold thou thy cross before my closing eyes. Shine through the gloom and point me to the skies. Heaven's morning breaks 
and earth's vain shadows flee. In life, in death, O Lord, abide with me. This is why we're ready to die. Because Jesus is Lord in the day of our death. And he ushers us to a new life that we can't even begin to imagine. Friends, this is why today you and I can, like the early church of Acts, facing down the reality of our certain death, can say, of our day of death, let the will of the Lord be done. Hallelujah. Thanks be to God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.